Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week in our Lenten teaching series, we are joined by Matthew Rivers, who will be preaching on Blessed are the Pure in Heart and Blessed are the Peacemakers. Before we get to Matthew's message, we would like to remind everyone that all of the details concerning our Holy Week services, that's Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and our Easter services, are available online at ccgf.org slash Easter. Now, here is this week's Lenten series message. Thank you for listening. Well, I'm going to do something tonight that normally my wife even asked me, you sure you'll be able to do it? I'm going to sit down. You guys know I am very passionate, so I like to move around. And my good friend, I called my mom, I first came here, I came down off of the uh, seat, I got right in her face, he's like, oh, please, don't ask me anything, please. <laughs> so I learned, okay, don't do that. But I want to talk to you tonight, very great matter, the Beatitudes, and uh, where, where we are now, and what uh, Pastor Jerry just read, is we're at the crossroad now. This is, this is Christ shifting now. Uh, after you've been mourning and done all those things, we're at a shifting point now. Uh, because these things that, that you're having, Christ is really trying to describe us, those of us who are disciples of God. And uh, the, the word blessed, we need to understand, is, 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 is translated happy are those. Uh, and the only way to be happy in something like that is that you have found Christ to, 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 to be within in order to be happy. Uh, and then this mourning and all these other things, these are not the common things. So it's the life of a disciple. And so I want to just focus tonight and make some points about uh, the two things. And I, one thing about uh, Jared and his staff, they always seem to give me the, 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 the things that, you know, so wide and vast. And I, then they call me and say, hey, you got 15 minutes to talk about this. I go, these guys, you know, they, they really tested my skills at Trinity. You understand? So they said, okay, we're going to find out if you're learning anything. Okay? But I want to just, just talk to you just for a moment. I won't take long, I promise. And just kind of get us into what this is. I'm sure the other speakers have done a, an awesome job. And I do apologize that I was not here. But I, I want to tell you, this beatitude describes the ideal you and me. This is, and I'm talking to us who are in Christ. Uh, this, is, this is the character of who Christ is when he's talking about these beatitudes. We, we, we're not talking to the world because they don't know this. They don't understand this. This life of mourning uh, for something greater. This life of, of understanding. Uh, so he's talking to the, to the people who, who, have, who have become a part of this, this, this uh, how would I say, club that we have. Uh, and, and it's an exclusive club. Why? Because this club, uh, when you see people in this club, they act differently. They don't, they don't act like, you know, everybody else. You know, there's the golf club. You know, those guys talk about golf all the time. And it's the tennis club. They talk about that. But, but they all have some of the same characters. We who are in this club of Jesus Christ, we, we, nothing should, should sway us. Amen? That's what these Beatitudes are. And, and, and what they are is the reward of not just the present, I mean the future tense, because we tend to always think about something in the future when Jesus is talking, oh, when I get to heaven. No, no, Jesus is saying, right now, these attitudes, this be attitudes, is, is rewarding, is a reward for you right now. Right now. Not tomorrow, not next day, but right now. Amen? Israel had a hard time understanding the prophecies that was upon them. They always thought, oh, that's for when, and we call it the long-range missile. That's for when we, Jesus comes and all this. We gotta, no, 
what the prophets were doing, they were saying, no, you need to understand the prophecies are for you right now. You live in joy and enjoy it right now. You have a life that you have, enjoy it right now. Christ is talking to us. And I want to say that, I want to start off with this. Augustine, I, I came to love this guy. If you don't like him, that's okay. I don't mind. But he said this. He said, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount must be read in light of what came before. And what is that? Not in what came before, the law and the prophets, but in light of what comes after, the new thing that came to be through Christ, what? Suffering, death, and resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. The Beatitudes should always be looked as we're looking to the cross. Amen? Always. Shouldn't be anything else. The word became flesh so that he could come and and let us know, look, I need to be happy right now. I I promise you, James understood this. James said, listen, when you find yourself in divers temptation, you know, count it all joy. Really? Well, why would James say that? Because the Jews were scattered all across the Mesopotamia. And they were being what? Abused by their own brothers and sisters. And here now, this preacher, who's the brother of Jesus, is now saying, count it all joy. Now, some of you are going through right now, and if I walk up to you and say, and you just told me you had cancer, and I say, man, count that thing all joy. You look at me and say, no, you're kind of nuts. <laughs> the reason why we can count it joy is because we're in Christ. That's why we can count it all joy. So I want to make some points, and then I'm going to press on. I see my wife over there telling me, stay on script. Being pure in heart involves having a singleness of heart towards God. A pure heart is not one that has hypocrisy or no guile, no hidden motives. And I know you say, now Matthew, now, now you're talking about some high-end stuff there. But let me tell you how we do that. The pure in heart is marked by what? Transparency. And an uncompromising desire to please God in all things. It is more than an external purity of behavior. Now that's where we get trapped at. I'm a good person. I do good things. And, and we think because we're outwardly doing those things that we have a pure heart to God. Oh, I came and helped the church out last week. They ought to be grateful. I understand that you're doing the barn. And I'm sure Mike can use your help. You brought your tools. You did the thing. You came because people wanted, you wanted people to see you. You, you were doing a good job. And, and Mike is saying, and they say, no, I want you to come because it's an internal thing that you said, I am not going to leave the house of God untapped or unfinished. I'm coming because this is what I need to do in order to have a pure heart. Now, I was going to come back and help Mike with the barn, but I got TV trouble with my foot. <laughs> it's an internal purity of the soul. And, and normally people listen, when we hear the word heart, we think about the thing that's beeping, that's, you know, pumping blood in our system. This is, that's not the heart God is talking about. He's talking about your spiritual internal man. In the West, we think, oh, I have a pure heart. Well, I got a good heart, God. He said, no, I'm not talking about the one that the doctor just checked you the other day on. I'm talking about that internal person that you have. And when we are able to check that, then the things that we do, it will mean so much more to others. This beatitude is not about us. It's about our attitude towards our neighbor, our sisters, our brothers, and most of all, our enemies. Amen? Now, I'm not in the Episcopal Church, and I know this is not the, you know, I mean, come on now. Somebody say amen here. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, y'all ain't heard me preach in a while. I'm trying to teach tonight. I, I'm not going to go there. I want to say this. Our context 
at what the Lord is really saying here. He's speaking about the heart of someone whose sins have been what? Forgiven and whose heart has been made new. Whose purity comes not from themselves. This is nothing you could do. This is nothing you could just say, oh, okay, I'm just going to have a pure heart now. But it's the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives that we obtain a pure heart. It's only through Jesus Christ. Matthew can't give you one. I can't preach you into a pure heart. But boy, when you accept Jesus Christ, the Bible tells me that when we accept Jesus Christ, we're imputed with the pureness of who God is. And that is through his righteousness. Amen? Isaiah 1.18 says this, watch this. Come now and let us what reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are what? Of scarlet. They will be white as snow, though they be red like crimson. That's me right there. You're describing me all the way. But they shall be as what? Wool. In other words, when Jesus comes into your life, he comes to give you that pure heart to wash your sins away. And what we have to do is do our best to walk this thing out. Amen? Amen. This pure heart thing is serious. It's, it's, it's a wide and vast thing, but I'm going to tie it in for you, I promise you. You see, within in the course of, of, of the sermon, Jesus is saying, he's saying that the pure heart are those who what? Are saved. Those who have been washed and the fountain filled with the blood drawn from Emmanuel. I love that. As the song says, sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty sin. Man, Jesus plunged me all day long because I'm as guilty as, as the wind is blowing today. Amen. I need Jesus to help me get my heart together. I need Jesus to help purify my heart. Because there are times that I'm not pure in heart towards my wife. There are times I'm not pure in heart towards someone who says something to me. I'm not pure in heart to the things that I do because of greed that wants to creep up. Or the things that I desire because my neighbor has it. I love this place of uh, where y'all at down the street, man. They got big houses down there. I drive by and say, man, I wish I had me one of those. But if I had one in the condition that I'm in, I couldn't afford it. But I only want it because somebody else has it. Amen? I don't need a big house. What I need is God in me. What you need is God in you. Somebody driving a Lexus, thank God you're driving a Lexus. I don't know how you're paying for it, but if you want to buy me one and pay the payments, I'm all right. So, God. Listen, the only way we can be truly pure at heart is to give our lives to Jesus and ask him to do something to cleanse us. And let me show you how that works. I love, one of my favorite guys is David. I, I, I love this guy. But he also had a lot of problems. Everybody loves David. David, oh, David is a man after God's own heart. But we all understand that, guess what? David, you know, left his family in chaos. We got to read the whole story. But he says this, created me what? A pure heart. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, when you read that, you, you realize David is asking God Almighty to do what? Created me a pure heart. And I love this other thing. He said, search me, oh Lord. Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, don't need to search you. They already know. What we need, what they're asking us is us to confess that thing. Amen? Clear in me a clean heart. God, why? Because I messed up God. And sin has got a hold of me. Amen? And I need you, Father, every day. I need you on my job. I need you in my marriage. I need you with my children. I need you. God, this pure heart thing, I'm working hard to get there. But Jesus said, I've already given it to you. Already done it. 
You just got to walk it out. Amen. The only true religion in a heart is a heart religion. Now, I, again, I talk about that heart that beats the rum the blood now. And, I, and they did a hard thing on me. They said, man, you got the perfect heart. I said, great. And which is based on God's implanted purity by faith in what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. It's just only through Jesus Christ that we can have this pure heart. I'm talking about even right now. Why do we always say, oh, I'm going to wait till I get to heaven to do that? No, I want to do it right now, God. I want to please you right now. And here's the difference why I say that this club is different. Because we got a God that when we mess up, when our heart is not pure, we can go to God and say, Father, forgive me for what? I have what? Sinned. Jesus will clean you right up. Amen? I don't know anybody else. Buddha is dead. All these other religion gods, they're dead. But the God that we serve, he is living, he is alive, and he is ready to forgive you of your sins right now. Amen? Oh, come on now. By faith in what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, we have what? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the what? The riches of his grace. I I get chills in my body. And I understand that the grace of God is doing something that I have no ability to do. None whatsoever. That's why when I started saying I about this business, as pastor asked me, it was God's grace that when I fell from the worldly success to homelessness, he said, you ain't fell nowhere. You just fell right back where I needed you. And my grace is enough for you, Matthew. How many of us have lost jobs or lost things that we've had and we think, oh, I I fell and you don't want your friends to see you. What you ought to do is get up and say, yes, I lost my job, but God has got me. His grace is sufficient enough. When you have lost your home because of mistakes you have made, you ought to not hide from your neighbors. You ought to say, yes, I lost it. I made mistakes, but my God. Oh, Jesus. I said, I wasn't going to preach. I'm going to try to stay within this thing. I'm just happy. So I, I, I want you to understand that when God imputes his righteousness to us, he imputes his purity in our heart. And all we have to do is say, Father, thank you. Amen. Thank you for that. Because I've been looking to try to be right with you, God, but there's nothing I can do. We, now we get into a works righteousness situation now. But I cannot do one thing, God, to have a pure heart except that you imputed in me. And now, God, I'm going to do my very best to walk that out. Amen? Amen. I want to talk to you about peacemakers. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to try to join these two together because really, this is what Christ is doing here. And so, a lot of times we see people, you know, we see our leaders doing something, putting peace together, things like that. So, my question to you is this. Well, who is really a peacemaker? Somebody you see stopping a fight. Well, that guy is a peacemaker. He's Look at him. Look at what he's doing. He's, he's stopping these people. Maybe some of our leaders, as we see on TV, uh, calling up and saying, hey, don't do that. Don't fire a missile at us. Is the guy really a peacemaker? Uh, that's, that's external stuff. Because even when I, if I tell my wife, I'm sorry, forgive me, if I still have the anger and all the stuff inside me, I'm not a peacemaker. Now, how many of y'all have said sorry to somebody? Don't raise your hand, because I don't want nobody to be embarrassed in But how many of y'all have said to somebody, oh, I'm sorry. You know, would you forgive me? And you walk away and the anger and all of the frustration is still inside you. 
And you really say, well, I did go in there and I made peace with her. And I think this is why marriages are such an influx, because we don't really know how to be one pure at heart and two, be a peacemaker. Why? Because first, a peacemaker is someone who what makes peace within themselves. Not not you. Listen, I'd be like, Lord, you need to put some peace in my wife. (laughs) Really? No, I need to put peace in you first. (laughs) We always are looking at somebody else to try to get them to be what you think God should be for them so that you can be happy. And God is saying, I'm not concerned about them. I got them already. The problem is you don't know how to be at peace. I need you to be a peacemaker. And that is a troubling thing. We have control over three things, I will tell you right now. Let me make them clear. We have control over our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. That's all you've got control over, nothing else. And it's in those three things, if you begin to get a hold of those things, and you begin to do what 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, watch this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Because, see, peacemakers go to straight to, you know, have a better life. They go to the bookstore and they get all these different books passed. And, uh, oh, yeah, have a better life. And, you, you know, uh, all these people in the world writing about how you should have peace. And, and, and the book you, sh- you, you pass by every time is the Bible. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey puts a book out. I know how to get peace. And it's a number one seller. I promise you, you can't find one scripture in there. I'm not nothing against Oprah Winfrey. I'm just saying, the world writes what they think ought to be peace. God is saying, the only peacemaker is me. Why? Because I've laid down my life for you to bring peace between sinful man and the God in heaven. Man, come on, man. Y'all got to get happy with this here. <laughs> Listen to what it says. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against who? The knowledge of God. And here's where I love it. And we take captive every what? Thought to make it obedient to who? Christ Jesus. You, you, me, we have to take the thoughts that are coming in our minds and we have to make those things captive and bring them under Christ. That we can then what? Be obedient to God. That's a peacemaker. Every thought. So when you have a disagreement with your friend, you, I really want to slap that nothing out of her. <laughs> no, no. Take that thought. Make it captive. And say, God, no, I really want to love her. When your boss talking to you, hmm, no, I know you want to disrupt my peace. Listen to me. I promise you that when you come to a point where you have a peace in you, no boss would know, he would notice, or she would notice right away. How do I know? Because I remember working at a job. I was a car salesman. And y'all probably know that already. I was probably good at it. <laughs> That's right. I was number two on that lot. That's right. But I started going in there thinking, oh, I'm going to do my own thing. I ain't worried about what they say. I, I started causing all kinds of problems. And then here, I was going, I wanted to go to church, Bible study every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, I'm going to the Bible study, and, and, I'm, and one day I'm going to work, and the Lord said, hey, why are you acting like that on the job? Again, now, y'all understand, this is not God saying, Matthew, 
But in my spirit, God was pounding on me. Why are you acting this way? You being just like everybody else. And when I realized that, I had to turn back to what I knew, the word of God. And I began to pray for my managers. I began to pray for my co-workers. So much so that my managers in a meeting got up and said, the only person that could leave out of here on Wednesday, whether he got a customer or not, is Matthew. And I kept asking them, do you want me to pray? Oh, no, don't pray for me. Over time, you know what they said? Hey, you getting ready to go to Bible study? Would you pray for me and my wife? We're having some problems. I think we're going to get a divorce. One after the next, after the next, started asking me to pray for them. Why? Because I had sought the peace of God. And I had asked God to give me a pure heart to walk in the way he would want me to walk. I promise you. The people on your job, your enemies, your neighbors will notice there's something about my neighbor. I don't care how many times my dog poop on his grass, he always comes to smile. Hey, Jim. <laughs> Amen? Amen? That's what we have to be. We have to be. We have to be that. The Bible tells us that. Now listen to me. This is really our work. This is our work. This is not the work of society. So I, I'm going to challenge you with something. When you go home and you see uh, the TV news and you see all of these things happen, I don't want you to react in a negative way and say, Lord, this world is so bad. Oh, Lord, what happened? Wes, we feel those kids who got shot. We feel that. But what we ought to do as Christians, as peacemakers, we ought to begin to pray. We ought to begin to call each other and say, listen, let's pray for that school. We ought to begin to pray for the leaders that they would understand that, that we have a problem with certain things in our society. We ought to begin to call our pastors and say, hey, listen, pastor, we, we, I want to pray for these people. The peacemakers don't, don't start complaining. The peacemakers say, no, I know how to, I know how to make this thing work. I'm going to get my knee pads and I'm going to the throne room. The pure at heart understands that, no, <laughs> no, I can't think bad of the man who shot him. I'm going to pray for him. That's a hard thing to do. You know why? Because sometimes it's not you that's experiencing the problem. When, the, when they got shot in South Carolina, that late, one of the pastors were good friends of my wife and I. She was just at our house. But I love what happened there. The son said, no, anger won't be out there. Love will trump. That caused the entire city to have peace. We were not Baltimore. It was a peacemaking time. Oh, my God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel this thing. There are various different stages of peace that I want to just talk to you briefly, and I'm going to be wrapping this thing up. In the early stages, when you're having this peace issue, uh, it's more of an inner conflict, as we just got you talking about. It's just hard to have this peace, right? So I know, because everybody who's married in here know that your wife or your husband could say something to you or rattle your peace. Now, if I come to you and say something to you, you'd be like, I don't ride with that guy. But there's something about that person who you've been with that know you. I know, because my wife be telling me stuff that's true, and I want to deny it. Oh, that ain't true. And my whole piece is messed up. Because I don't want to acknowledge what she just said. Amen? It's difficult. It's difficult to have peace with your enemy when you know they've done you wrong. It's difficult to have that kind of peace. But boy, when you have Jesus Christ in your life, and that peace is immovable and you don't let that thing rattle you. Amen? Oh, my, my, my. Then we come to the stage of the development where the peace never leaves you. You get to this point where it just becomes steady. 
It's like going to a job. There's a lot of people who've retired. I just, I think uh, John's wife uh, just told me she retired. And when you retire, you don't have that same rigmarole getting up in the morning time, going to work, doing the same thing over. You begin to get a piece like, oh, I don't got to go up this morning. Well, I can sleep till nine o'clock. Great. You also get a piece when you understand that your children are running you crazy. You go like, go ahead. I know you're going to, I told you not to do that, but I know you're going to do it. There's something that the peace begins to just become a normal part of your life as you act this out. And the world begins to say, why are those people at Christ Church always so peaceful, always so kind? Let me just tell you, y'all, y'all don't understand. The people who volunteered at that door, they are peacemakers. I'm going to tell you right now. And I've heard stories that people say they didn't come in because Jared is such a beautiful uh, speaker and a lovely guy. They came in because they say, when I came to the door, they greeted me with such peace. Y'all got to thank those people. I'm telling you. That's who comes here to this church. People who are pure at heart stand at that door and they say your name and they mean it. And when they ask you how you're doing, they mean it. Then this is the last part. When you finally get to a place where there's peace is something in you, you finally realize I'm connected with the Lord God Almighty. And I am he and he is me. And I begin to realize who's truly in me, the Holy Spirit. And I begin to recognize. And so my peace now doesn't become unstable. My peace now becomes I'm relying on you, God. I don't care what it looks like. God, I'm trusting you. God, they pronounced me with cancer, but I'm trusting you, God. God, they say you got neurosarcoidosis, but God, I'm trusting you. I'm not telling you you won't cry. I'm not telling you you won't cry out to God. I'm not telling you you won't get frustrated. What I'm saying to you, there's going to be a peace beyond your frustration and you're going to say, God, at the end of this thing, I trust you. You know why? Because if I die today, God, I'm going to live the second I wake up in heaven. Oh, God, that ought to give you peace right there. Why? Because Jesus said, I already died for you. I already made it easy. Some of us are worrying about leaving this life. Listen, don't worry, because the one you're going to is an eternal one. It's only for a moment that you'll be down there and lift you right up. You walk right in the kingdom. I'm just waiting. Now, don't take me right now, God. I need to do something. I'm just trying to get through Trinity. God, give me some kind of time. Jesus, I want to say it again, lay down his life. Not for me, not for Pastor Jerry, but for every one of you in here. He's the only prince of peace that has come to earth to have you understand what it is to be a peacemaker. The word became flesh and it laid down an example so that you and I will have that example. You and I. But not only just for you and I, it's that we will then what? Be duplicators of who he is. That we will then do what? Have reconciliation. Bring other people to Christ. How many of you have said people come up to you and say, man, there's something different about you? How many? I mean, people are coming to you to something different. Well, they're seeing who God is and who Christ is in you. And you're making a difference. Church, I want to tell you, and I'm about to close. You are sometimes, and you've heard this many times, I've, I've heard Pastor Jamie said it, Pastor Art said it, many people. You are the only book the world will see. And I need you to be peacemakers. I need you to be pure at heart type people. 
Because right now the world is in chaos. And they are looking. Y'all don't understand. They're looking for something that gives them guidance. And if we don't do that, we will see the same thing over and over and over and over on our TV. And they will become our leaders. And they won't understand how to be a peacemaker. They'll say, man, punch the button. Let's go to war. We need to be, and we need, which is what Christ is saying. I need you to be this life. I need you to have this characteristic, these characteristics of who I am, that the world may change because of who you are. You got all the, the four things before me. Now God is saying shift it in. Why? Why is this so important? Because after you see the peacemaker and what I'm talking about tonight, now he begins to say, now, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name. Why? Because you've already gone through all of the other things. And you're at the point now, God, I understand how to mourn for you. God, I understand how, how to be merciful. I understand all of that. Now I'm okay, God. I'm a pure-hearted person. I'm a peacemaker, God. Now, when they start persecuting me, I won't move. I won't budge. I feel like getting up off of this chair in a minute here. Because I don't know if y'all are getting this, but I'm going to give it to you anyhow. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God. What? Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what I'm talking about. And so I want to tell you this. The same God who found the world in chaos found the mercy to bring this world into order. And then he said this. Let us, Genesis 1.26, go down and make man in our own image. Let me help you understand. The image of God has already imputed all of these beatitudes you're talking about. What am I saying? It's already in you. We're just telling you about each one of them. That's why Pastor Jared is having us to do this. To remind you that every one of these things are already imputed in you from the first time he said, let us now go make man in our own image. And when he breathed the breath of life in you, everything that he is in his image came into man. Oh, my God, man. I'm getting happy right now. I'm going to go home and tell my wife, I'm going to do my best to be a better peacemaker tonight. (laughs) But here's what he found. Because man was disobedient and the fall came. The elephant in the room was sin. And he tried man after man after man after man. Let me, let me correct that because I don't want no woman to come out here today. And, say, and women. <laughs> to bring back what was pure. And you say, well, Matthew, what was pure? Everything he made was pure. The ground, the earth, the skies, the animals, everything. Man himself was a pure human being. Until sin entered the world. Amen? Amen? And he said, well, I love man so much. Boy, this is what I love about God. I love man so much. I've tried time after time. And y'all don't get mixed up on this thing where God said, I want to destroy man and start all over. He wasn't talking about the creation that he made. He said, I want to destroy the sin. God is mad at the sin, not at man. But I... God tried so many different ways. He picked the people and said, I need you to be the image of who I am. And they couldn't do it. And, and I, 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 I believe that he had an agreement with the, in the Trinity himself and said, well, I, I've tried everything I can do. But Jesus, I got to send you, son. 
Because there's nobody as pure as my word. There's nobody as righteous as my word. There's nobody that understands mercy as my word. There's nobody that understands truth as my word. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my word. Pure, unadulterated, righteous, a peacemaker. And my word will take on form. And my word will be mankind's example. My word will be the purity of what the Beatitudes is. So when Jesus stood on the mountain, he was saying, listen to me. I have come now to impart to you what it is that you're going to be now and what you're going to be when you see my Lord and Savior. There's no need to wait. No need to worry about, oh, I'll get it when I get to heaven. He's saying, no, I want to let you know right now. It's already in you. And I need you to understand that I need you to live a life that the world may know that there's a living Christ sitting in heaven and acting on your behalf. Father, we thank you tonight for these who have heard this word. God, we bless you tonight that you have blessed us with these beatitudes and that we don't have to wait, God, until we get to heaven. We are your people now living in a present word that gives us the ability to be peacemakers, It gives us the ability to be pure at heart. And God, teach us how to be that. That they will say there's something about those people who call on the name of Jesus. There's something about those at Christ Church who live according to what you have prophesied over our life. And we want to be like them. I pray now that everyone under the sound of my voice, God, hears this word. And from this day forward, God, heaven will rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen.